Okay, I'm going to uh, back it up a little bit because I'm going to record it because I believe this might be one people will want to listen to and go over and replay. So we started out with God creating man. And the title of this is the Ministry of Reconciliation. So when God created man, he created him in his image and in his likeness. And the image and likeness of God is not a body, physical body. It is not two arms, two legs, and a head. God does not have a physical image. He is spirit. So God's image is just like you talk about somebody famous. You talk about their image. Uh, what image they are. Or, or You've heard people talk about the image of certain famous people in history or celebrities. So the image of God is total authority, dominion, omnipotence over all his creation. And the master and creator of every situation, every circumstance, be it the animals, be it nature, be it the storms, be it the uh, the raging seas, whatever it is, God is the creator and he has total authority and power over all his creation. And that's what he put in Adam and Eve in the beginning. They were not created mortal. They were not created to die. They were created with humanity but they were not created with a carnal mind. The carnal nature was not yet in the earth. Evil was not yet in the earth. Adam had no knowledge of evil. He had no knowledge that works through the carnal mind. He had humanity, which is totally different from carnality. So, God did not create man to die. That was man's choice that he made when he ate of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and that's what God warned him. He said, you can eat of any tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, don't eat, because in the day that you eat thereof, ye will surely die. And he died naturally, and he died spiritually, because from that time forward, man took on the ability to die a physical death. Before he sinned and disobeyed God, he was created to live eternally. And he died spiritually. And when he died spiritually, he died naturally. So, uh, and then I was talking about how that God uh, sent Jesus. And all people want to say is, Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. Know and understand the cross has nothing to do with the blood of Jesus being shed to forgive your sins. Your sins are forgiven by the shed blood of the Lamb. The cross had nothing to do with it. The cross is what God incorporated into Jesus' death because the Bible says in Deuteronomy, and I don't have the exact quotation scripture here unless it's further on in the notes, but he said, Cursed is every man that hangeth on a tree. Yeah, Deuteronomy 21, 22, and 23. If a man have committed a sin worthy of death, and he be put to death, and thou hang him on a tree. It's on page 3, right at the bottom. In verse 23. 
His body shall not remain all night upon the tree, but thou shalt in any wise bury him that day. For he that is hanged on a tree is accursed of God, that the land be not defiled, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. And going to Galatians 3, but I'm going to go to, uh, yeah, I'm going to go right here to verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. So when you go back to what's written in the law in Deuteronomy, and it says, Every man that hangeth on a tree is cursed. And then you go to Galatians, and it tells us that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that is hanged on a tree. Now, crucifixion was not a Jewish death. Stoning was a Jewish death. If any man broke the law, adultery, fornication, blasphemy, how many times do you read in the Gospels where people took up stones to stone Jesus? Even there, I think it was in John the 10th chapter, when uh, they took up stones to stone him, and he said, For uh, which of these good works? I've showed you many good works. And he said, For which of these works do you stone me? They said, Thou being a man that maketh thyself God. said, We're not stoning you for the good works, but because thou being a man, you have lifted yourself up, calling yourself a God or the Son of God. This is why we're going to stone you. And then he turned and looked at him. He said, It is written in the law and in the Word of God that God has said, Ye are gods. So, The stoning was the Jewish death. But because the Jews did not want to take responsibility for the death of Jesus because they were afraid the people would stone them if they found out Jesus had been killed, they worked it in a political situation to bring Jesus before the governors and then before uh, Pilate to get him put to death by the Romans, which the Roman death was crucifixion. So they worked this that Jesus would be crucified and they would be blameless in the death of Jesus. So because he was hung on the tree, then you are redeemed from the curse of the law. And I'm going to go to Deuteronomy 28. And I'm going to uh, look at the scripture there. I'm pretty sure that's where they are. It's been a long, long time since I read these. And it's, it's more than just being healed. Uh, let me see. Okay, if you go back to 27, now like I said, I haven't studied all this, but if you go back to 27 and 14, and it says, And the Levite shall speak and say unto all men of Israel in a loud voice, Cursed be the man that maketh any graven or molten image, an abomination unto the Lord. The work of the hands of the craftsman, and putting it in a secret place, and all the people shall answer and say, Amen. Cursed be he that setteth light by his father and his mother, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be that he that removeth his neighbor's landmark. Cursed be he that maketh the blind to wander out of the way. Cursed be he that... 
uh, perverteth the judgment of the stranger, fatherless, and widows. Cursed be he that lieth with his father's wife. And you go on through the curses, and then you go to 28, and it continues on. And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and do all these commandments which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee, if thou will diligently hearken unto the voice of the Lord. And then it lists a lot of blessings. And you go on through, and then it gets into the curses again. So, you'll have to read Deuteronomy 17, I mean 27, 28, and it may even go into 29, but everything listed as a curse under the law, you are redeemed from. People talk about generational curses, and I've seen curses come on people through generations. I've even ministered to people that the Lord told me the anointing of the Holy Ghost was destroying the generational curse on families and binding spirits and casting spirits away from people. But see, when people come to know and understand that they are redeemed from the curse of the law and not just have their sins forgiven, and that's why I want to explain what all Jesus paid for in His death, burial, and resurrection. He he paid for more than just forgiveness of your sins. If all you walk in in your salvation is the forgiveness of sins and that's all you believe God for, that's all you're going to live in. You've got to take the Word of God and confess it and believe it and get it in your spirit and you can walk in divine health. You can walk in the blessings of God. You can walk in overcoming faith. You can walk in strength and victory, but if you only confess your sins forgiven, that's all you're going to have. That's why you have to study the Word of God. The Bible teaches us to study, to show ourselves approved, a workman unto God that needeth not to be ashamed. So, the, the law was given for a reason. It was government until the Spirit of Christ come in. So, all these curses that are listed in Deuteronomy 27 and 28 and maybe into 29, you are redeemed from them through the fact that Jesus Christ hung on the cross. And I will say it again, if he shed his blood through stoning, you would be just as saved, your sins would be just as forgiven, because your sins are forgiven by the shed blood of the Lamb, but the cross is for the redemption from the curse of the law, according to Galatians, the third chapter. So your sins are forgiven by the blood by of the, the Lamb. Shed blood of yes, the Lamb. that's what the Bible teaches us. But you are redeemed from the curse of the law because Jesus was crucified on that cross. So that gives us the right. Yes. That gives us the right to divine help. Right. To. Everything that God has right. under the law that right. we're redeemed from. We're redeemed from the law. In this body. Christ is the end of the law. He redeemed, uh, that's almost part of the redemption of the body. It is. It, I mean, it's what just, sets up the redemption right, of the right. body. So that's the forerunner. Yes. We must partake yes. of that. Yes. Now, 
in my mind, I see it as one total. It is. You cannot separate. separate. In other words, you're saying that the way I'm understanding what I'm saying is if you only, if you just come to the Lord to have forgiveness of your sins so you can live and and have fellowship with God in that realm, then he's not going to, you're not going to lose that. No. But he has no. provided so more. much more. Right. He has provided more. Right. And we have been ignorant and not been able to possess. We've tried to do things through the gifts and different things. But if we can, if we can grasp this truth that we are redeemed from all of these things, then we'll walk. We we won't have to have the gifts to put them in we have the gifts for other people but we can be a partaker right of that heavenly calling the new okay. living way right all right let right. me now, now that's it. Okay. let me break it down like this sister kathy you work for blue cross blue shield insurance just, just a second man. the the welcoming committee is welcoming yeah i hear them <laughs> All right. All right. You work for Blue Cross Blue Shield Insurance, right? Right. All right. You know all of the benefits of people's insurance policies when you talk to them on the phone. Am I correct? Uh, Well, I I have, yeah. More. Right. Okay. Now, if they don't know that they have a certain benefit, then there's no way they can request to partake of it. Right, and that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying here. The cross is a benefit that most people do not know they have, and they serve God in salvation. And they suffer with sickness and disease and curses that is under the law of sin because they are not made aware of the provision of the cross because all they've heard is Jesus died on the cross to forgive my sins. Does that make sense? Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. All right. Okay, I've got a fuzzy point. Okay. Um, So when we receive salvation through the blood, yep, that does not give us the redemption from the law. It is one complete. Well, it is one complete package. You cannot separation the atonement from the forgiveness of sin, but if you don't know to put that benefit into action, then you can you can serve God all your life, believing your sins are forgiven, but never being a taken a partaker of the benefits that come with salvation and atonement, which I believe the cross is part of the atonement. And part of the stripes, I believe it's all but 
You have to you have to invoke that benefit. The way I look at it, I mean, David said in Psalms 103, "Bless the Lord, all my soul." Uh, I can't remember. Bless the Lord, all my soul, and forget not all of His benefits. Who forgiveth all of my iniquities and healeth all of my diseases. Well, if you go back to where I was reading about the law in Deuteronomy 27 and 28, there's more there under the curse than just sickness or disease. So, there are a lot of things God wants to deliver. He wants to totally, and I, I came, I mean, I preached for years. Jesus came to heal the whole man. Jesus came to heal you soul, mind, and body because sozo, which is the Greek word for salvation, means healing for the soul, mind, and body. But people today are only taught that salvation is forgiveness of sins. But really salvation is healing for the soul, the mind, and the body. And Jesus came to heal the whole man. But if you don't know that and you're not taught that, and you don't invoke that in your relationship and walk with God. I've seen people live their whole lives believing they were saved, their sins was forgiven, truly loving God, but they lived in sickness and disease and turmoil and curses and trouble because they never took advantage of the benefits and everything else Jesus paid for. So, are we... Did we lose them? Hey. Can y'all still hear them? Yeah. Oh, okay. Justin was calling in on his phone, and my phone did something crazy. Okay. I think you're not on the conference call, sis. Call back into the conference call. You called myself. Okay. Hang up and call back into the conference call. Okay. Oh, I think I'm in it now. Oh. All right. Now, Kathy, are you here? Justin. Has joined the conference. Yes. All right. Okay. Justin, are you there? I am. All right. Okay. Now, did y'all get everything that I was talking about? About being... I, I think I understand it. I now I don't want you to think. I want if you got questions, this is the time to ask them. I think what it is is, pastor's not. This isn't something new. I think he's giving. I think we all have believed this. I think that he is giving us the scriptural foundation for our belief. Yeah, we we have walked in this and understood it, but now as we go out and speak with others, we're going to have the foundation to to get beyond salvation and, and let people know, let me tell you, there's more than the blood that that cross paid for something. So I think that's where we all probably are coming from. Has left the conference. Okay. I'm still here. Okay. All right, who did we lose? It said Kathy, but she's back. Okay. But anyway, so did that make sense? I think that's where we're all coming from. Yeah. Okay. All right. Because I don't think that's new 
teaching as a whole for us. I think it is you are giving the scriptural underpinning for what we believe so that we right. can discuss with others. Because we, we've all believed for healing. We said we're redeemed from the curse. You preach that. But yeah. now we know why, why we believe that. The difference. So that's how it's playing out in my mind. Okay. Well, I was just trying to break it down no, so we would understand. No, we need it. We do. You don't have to try to break it down. When you talk to people like I do, they just need to know there's more there than salvation. And that's all people, that's all you hear. Jesus died on the cross to save me from my sins. That's all you hear is you need God to save you. You need Jesus to save you from your sins. And that's all people know. That's all they're taught. And there's so much more that they can walk in the benefits of than just having their sins forgiven. The way it hits me is I've been reading on that reconciliation and Paul says, he speaks a lot about it, but he says, and he thanks God that he had given him the ministry of reconciliation. Right. And what I see, why the Lord's having you bring this out the way it is, the, the ministry of reconciliation as we go about to do what God's calling us to do, and these door of the heathen and the Gentiles is open, which could be a lot of church people could still be heathen. You don't know. But this, we're going to have to know why we believe what yes. we believe. Yes. And we and we as leaders, if you the Lord yes. is telling us we're leaders and then we are going out into the world and we like you said, you don't know necessarily gonna have a Bible and all of this, but they you lead them through the ministry of reconciliation, which would be some you know, the forgiveness of their sins, but then you can take them but further is that they don't have to be God has paid for this that they have to come into that knowledge, but he's going. That's part of that ministry of reconciliation. It is. It is, which nobody teaches. Right. But he, we're, he is causing us to be. We're going to have to be reconciled back to God. Right. And that's where he's taking us. That's where he's taking us. Okay. It's time now for you to grow up. You are going to have to come to me for everything. He is our source. Us he is as a leader. You. You know. You're not. In other words, you got to have it yourself before you, and you got to understand it with your mind. Well, you can't give somebody something you don't, you don't have. have, and you might, right? But it's the understanding in our mind. Yeah, that it is. Okay, I'm going back to the bottom of page one where it says Genesis two sixteen and seventeen. The Lord commanded the man, saying, "Of every tree of the garden thou may freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it." For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. The act of disobedience is what brought the separation between God and man and caused man to become a mortal being. This disobedience also brought in the enmity between God and man, which is the carnal mind. It opened the door to spiritual death for man and gave Satan rule and reign over the earth. Because man was now mortal and dwelt on the earth, this put man under Satan's dominion until man sinned, he ruled God's creation. This was God's kingdom that was established in the beginning of time. Jesus came to reconcile 
man back to God. That means to restore him to the state in which God created him. The fullness of God dwelling in him, which gives him dominion over all his creation. All that has been preached is repentance and salvation, but that is only a portion of what he came to do. What about reconciliation? What is reconciliation? According to Strong's Concordance, New Testament, 2643, reconciliation comes from 2644, exchange, figuratively adjust, restore to the divine favor. Atonement, reconciliation. And you go to 2 Corinthians 5.18, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19, To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. So, God was in Christ. He was in the man when Jesus was talking to Philip in verse, in chapter 14 of John, when he said, Philip, when you've seen me, I've seen, you've seen the Father. Right up above that, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man cometh the Father except he come by me. So, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. God was in Christ. He, through God being in Christ, he was revealing the way, the truth, and the life that we could possess by coming back to the Father through the ministry of reconciliation. Not just forgiveness of sin. Sin does not give you, just having your sins forgiven don't give you this privilege. It don't give you this knowledge. It don't give you this understanding. That is the very reason the church has taken so many scriptures and twisted them to keep people from coming into the authority and dominion and power that God wants you to have through reconciliation. How many of you have heard those scriptures in John, No man cometh the Father except he come through me. Salvation. That's all it's been preached as. No, when you come to the Father and you find the way back to the Father, which Jesus said in Hebrews, I have consecrated a new and a living way that is going to take you back into that reconciliation or that fullness of God. I've made a new way, not salvation, reconciliation. Nobody preaches reconciliation because they don't understand it, and they do not want man to know that he can be restored back to God's divine favor where he created him in the beginning. They don't want you to know. You are fighting spiritual wickedness in high places, according to what Paul wrote in Ephesians 6 and 12. You are fighting the rulers of darkness of this world. You are fighting principalities and powers. And the word has been changed and twisted and taught by theology to keep you powerless, 
to keep you sinners constantly repenting and keep you walking under sickness and disease and curses that are under the law because they will not preach reconciliation to you. I'm preaching reconciliation. We are coming back to God. But we're coming back with more than what Adam had because we are going to have the wisdom, knowledge, and understanding not only of the spirit man, but we are going to have the wisdom, knowledge, and understanding of the man Christ Jesus because the Lord told me in February 2013 that the power of the Holy Ghost that I'm sending back is the full power of the resurrected Christ mixed with the humanity of man. And that is the man, Christ Jesus. So is everybody with me? Amen. Yes. We are. All right. Okay, so I've just finished reading Second Corinthians five nineteen. This isn't repentance. This isn't salvation. This is reconciliation or restoration back to what the Lord did in the beginning. Acts 3 and 21. When you start at 19 and read down through it. Let me turn over to Acts 3 and 19 and we'll just get the whole thing in here. I want you to understand what God has done for you and where the Lord is wanting to take you. He's not just wanting you to have a good church service or feel the Spirit of God. He wants you to know and understand what you were chosen for. And you were chosen to be reconciled back to God. You are chosen vessels that He wants the fullness of the resurrected Christ to live in you. You are heirs with God and joint heirs with Christ. Joint means equal. So you are joint heirs with Christ. Quit looking at your relationship with God as just salvation from sin. Quit walking in defeat. Start walking in the authority and dominion of the kingdom. Start confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. And when God raised him from the dead, you've got to believe that Ephesians 1 and 20 says what he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And it goes on and tells you, he said, him far above all principalities, powers, dominions, everything, on earth, in heaven, under the earth, he gave him dominion over it. And when that spirit of the Holy Ghost or that resurrected Christ comes in, you are a partaker of a measure of that until the fullness of it comes in. Quit settling for forgiveness of sin. Start talking. Start opening your mouth. Start declaring the Word of God. For the power of death and life is in the tongue. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Take hold of the Word. Speak the Word. Declare the Word. Believe the Word. Be as Abraham that called the things that be not as though they were. Every idle word you're going to give an account of. Don't open your mouth in unbelief. Don't open it in doubt. Don't don't open it in anything other than faith and power and authority and the dominion of God. And when you read in Acts 3 and 19, he says this. 
Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Now this word times here means years. So there is years of refreshing that we are entering into that are going to come from the presence of the Lord, and He shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you. The heavens have to receive Him until the years of the restitution of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all His holy prophets since the world began. So ever since the world began, somebody has been preaching the restitution of all things. God has been trying ever since man fell to create a seed and bring forth a ministry that would bring in the restitution of all things and it's been ministered by all His holy prophets since the world began. So now in these days, God is opening our understanding given us revelation and wisdom and enlightenment that we can be made partakers of reconciliation and the restitution of all things. We got any questions? Or everybody still on the same page with me? Good. Still on the same page? We're good. Okay. All right. So we're down at the bottom of page two. Yeah, their notes may not look just like ours. Well, they should. I mean, I sent them the Ministry of Reconciliation. Oh, okay. I thought I thought this good. No. Okay. It was through Satan's subtlety that he deceived Eve in Genesis three one through five. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And let me tell you something, he did appear to her as a hideous-looking snake crawling on his belly. He probably had a form of beauty. He was probably still uh, Lucifer, the son of the morning. He was probably still a very appealing creature. So, and he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? See, the devil was setting her up. The woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, uh, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. The devil is always going to take the word of God and give you seventy-five, eighty percent truth, but then he's going to give you a lie because he is a liar and the father thereof, and. And the serpent said to the woman, Ye shall not surely die. Well, God had said, In the day that you touch it or eat of it, Ye shall surely die. But then Satan turned around and told Eve, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, Then your eyes shall be opened, And ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Eve did not realize she had authority over every circumstance and situation. Why she was talking to the devil without Adam present, I don't know. But all she would have had to do was rebuke Satan and tell him to leave her alone. But because she had no knowledge of evil, she had no knowledge of what he was trying to do, she played into his scheme. There was a measure of truth in Satan's word, as there always is, but there was a the here the lie was born. John eight forty four. You are 
of your father the devil, and the lust of your father will ye do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. That's where the lie was born. That's where evil came into the world, is when Satan lied to Eve. But they didn't have any knowledge of evil. They only had knowledge of good. That's why when she was going, when she was told she eats of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, then evil was going to be revealed to her. It was going to make her seem as one wise. You're going to become as God. You're going to understand all these things. But all that was truth. But he said, you're not going to die. But she did. She died naturally. She lost immortality. And she also lost the authority and dominion of the kingdom of God that lived and ruled and reigned in her. And I don't think Adam knew what was at stake or he would have never done what he done. Because Eve was deceived, the Bible says she was, but Adam was not deceived. He hearkened to the voice of his wife, but I don't think he knew the consequence of what was going to happen when he done it. Well, he had no knowledge of good or evil. He didn't. Just obedience. Yeah, only obedience. Yes. That was the evil. Do you think there was, I, I never had thought of it this way before, but on Eve's part, for her to bring up and single that tree out and say we can't eat out of it, eat from it, that there was some level of doubt or unbelief on her part at that point? Well, I believe what happened... Just answering the enemy's question. She was just answering his question, but he put the thought in her mind of what she could obtain by eating it, and I believe he appealed to her pride. I believe he appealed to her pride and started stirring up pride in her that you're going to be just like God Almighty. Well, she was already walking in the authority and dominion of God, but the devil caused her to believe or put the seed in her heart that there was something greater and she had something to gain. So I believe... I don't know. I think it could have... Because that would come from a carnal mind that pride would possibly... One concept could be that she simply no longer believed that there was a negative. Like, what she didn't have a concept of you shall surely die. No. She chose to flip... She, he flipped it. And he says, no, you're not going to die. Right. She chose... She was like... Believed a lie rather she than... She believed truth. a lie that, no, I won't die. Right. You know, more than... How much more than how much she would gain? I think it was probably more of a I won't die, you know, because I don't possibly I don't. Well, they had never seen death. They had never seen anything other right. And there was no carnal mind. Right. So it would. I don't know. That's that's three quarters of a thought. Yeah. (laughs) Well. Okay. If I go on and read what I wrote after said, for he is a liar and the father of it. He told Eve that when she ate of that tree, her understanding would be open and that she shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. What she failed to realize was she already walked in the full dominion and authority of God. She didn't have evil, another knowledge of evil. By telling her she wouldn't die when she disobeyed God's mm-hmm. commandment, yeah. he had lied to her. But she died naturally and spiritually as well. 
So did Adam when he followed what she did. By doing this, Adam surrendered the control of the earth into Satan's hand and gave him the keys of death and hell. That's what brought in the death of the soul. That's That brought in the death of the living soul. And the power of eternal damnation for the soul of man's was placed in Satan's hands. Jesus had to come legally in accordance with the laws and principles of God's word to destroy Satan and take back the keys of hell and death and destroy Satan's bondage over man. 1 John 3 and 8, He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. And the works of the devil is not just sin, sickness, and disease. The works of the devil is he had control of the earth. He had control of the eternal soul, which man feared until Jesus came. There was no eternal life. So we don't look at what was under the law. We look at what is under Christ, that we've been given the privilege to obtain eternal life that was not under the law. If you go to Hebrews, uh, the second chapter, and I'll go ahead and turn over there. If you go to Hebrews, the second chapter, and you read uh, verse 14, it starts out and says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also likewise himself took part of the same. That means he was made just like me and you. He did not come this earth in the fullness of God. He came born of a woman, made of a woman, made after the law. Romans 8 said he came in the likeness of sinful flesh. This right here is telling us he was partakers of flesh and blood just like we were. He also likewise himself took part of the same that through death, spiritual death, he might destroy him that had power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through the fear of death, see, man feared death. He was not promised eternal life under the law. Man did not know where his soul was going. He was bound in that bondage, in that fear of death. When he died, he had no peace. He had no consolation that he would be with the Lord unless he had lived an upright life by the law, before God, and done everything exactly right, then he had some hope. But for those that could not keep the law, and the law was almost impossible to keep, they did not have that. But it says in verse 15, "...and deliver them who were through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham." made just like me and you. And as a man, he went to the cross. As a living soul, he became sin for us. He that knew no sin became sin for us. Second Corinthians 5, you read the very last verse. I believe it's the 21st verse that it says, He that knew no sin became sin for us. Let me get over to it. I'm not meaning to skip all over the Bible, but I want you to know and understand what God has set before us. 
Because this comes right after the teaching on reconciliation. So you, you start at Second uh, Corinthians 5 and 18 and you go down through reconciliation. You come all the way down to 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that he might be made the righteous, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So this is what paid for our reconciliation was the soul of Jesus going to hell and paying and becoming a sin sacrifice for us. Isaiah 53 and 10 said, When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, his soul became an offering for sin. His soul experienced spiritual death in hell. That is how he paid for all of man's sin. That's how he paid the price of redemption one time. Sins don't have to be any more forgiven by Jesus because he, he paid for them one time. He paid for them with his soul. He redeemed you with his soul. And when it come time that he had paid for man's sin, his soul was bound by spiritual death because it was God's law. The soul that sinneth shall surely die. So what happened there? He had to be born again. He had to be reborn. A quickening spirit come forth. And he's the only one to ever be resurrected from the dead that came back eternal, immortal, with total dominion and authority of God. No other person in history that's been raised from the dead has ever come back immortal, eternal, and in the full dominion and authority of the kingdom of God. He came back that way because he was born in the image of God, just like man was created. And that's why it talks to us in Acts 13, when you get around 32 and 33, and it talks to us about Jesus being raised from the dead, and it says in there, Thou art my son, this day I have begotten thee. And that's what the Lord said. That's when he was birthed from the horrors of hell to become a quickening spirit, that's the reason it says he's the first begotten of the dead and the firstborn of every brethren. So are we good? Everybody in North Georgia still on the same page with me? Just want to be sure y'all didn't get disconnected somewhere. I just want to be sure y'all didn't get disconnected. All right, now going on, going on down. Okay. All right, going on down through the end of page three. I've already talked about Deuteronomy uh, 21, 22, and 23. And Galatians 3, how we've been redeemed from the curse of the law. Alright, I'm going through, I'm going to page four. We must move forward and examine the most amazing and powerful part of his death, but also the most terrific. 
slow down and study the Word of God because everything we need for our reconciliation with God is written in these pages. And I started with Hebrews 2, but I went to verse 9. For we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. He didn't come down here as an angel. He didn't come down here with a power of an angel. He was made a little lower than the angels so that he could suffer death. A spiritual being can't die. If he had been the fullness of God, he could have never died. He could have never died naturally or spiritually. Y'all follow with me? For the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that by the grace of God he should taste death for every man. It was just not the physical death. Every one of us, unless the Lord tarries, is going to see physical death. Or unless the Lord gives us long, 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 long years. Because we don't know when the Lord's coming. So, he wasn't talking about by the grace of God that he should taste natural death for every man. He was talking about by the grace of God that he should taste spiritual death for every man. When we read this scripture, we need to ask ourselves this question. How can Jesus taste death for every man? If we are honest with ourselves, then we know it can't be natural death simply because people that name the name of Jesus are dying natural deaths every day. So it has to be that he tasted spiritual death for every man. We will confess that Jesus took all our sins upon him while he hung on the cross. Isaiah 5, Isaiah 53 and 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have ever turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. In the New Testament, it reads like this. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. He hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We will confess that the soul that sent us shall surely die. Ezekiel 18 and 20, and that the wages of sin is death, spiritual death, Romans 6, 23. So we will confess that Jesus did not sin and knew no sin because he became sin for us. We will confess that he came to redeem our souls from the punishment of sin. Yet when we ask people, Jesus became sin for us, is that right? Yes, that's right. Okay, now what happened to his soul when he died? Sometimes you get a stunned look and a blank stare, and sometimes people will say, oh, he went to hell and preached a great revival, and everyone that believed him was saved. I'm sorry, but there isn't one ounce of Scripture to support any such crazy doctrine. You can't use 1 Peter 3:18 and 19. For Christ also hath once suffered for sin, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. He went and preached to those spirits in prison by a quickening Spirit, which was after the resurrection. Right. It wasn't before his resurrection. It wasn't by, by uh, when his body laid in the tomb. His body laid in the tomb. His soul was wrestling in hell. The sorrows of death and hell compassed round about him. The pains of death got hold on him. 
And he had to believe and hold on to God's word and pray to the Father, knowing that he was going to bring him out. If he hadn't, we don't know what would have happened to him. But he believed God because he said in Acts 3, My flesh shall rest in hope because thou hast said thou will not leave my soul in hell, neither will I suffer thy holy water, neither will I suffer my physical body to lay in that grave long enough that it's going to start rotting or see corruption. And we know by the Gospel of John, the 11th chapter, when he went to raise Lazarus from the dead, and he said, Move the stone, and Mary or Martha one said to him, Lord, this is four days he's been dead. By this time he's stinking or he's starting to corrupt or rot. Jesus said, I will not leave my soul in hell, nor let thy holy one, my physical body, see corruption. So we know he knew he wasn't going to be in there very long. And he knew, and he said, my flesh shall rest in hope because of these words. So, uh And nobody in hell gets a second chance. These souls were in prison. They were held somewhere from Adam's transgression until the law came in because there was no law to govern. So that is the souls Jesus went and preached to by being a quickening spirit. He went into the bowels of the earth, wherever that prison was, and preached to them. And every one of them that believed and received came out of that grave after his resurrection. You read Matthew. Can't remember whether it's 27, 28. I'm sorry I don't have all these scriptures together, but it says, And the graves of many of the saints were open, and they were resurrected after Jesus was resurrected, and they seen many of the saints walk in the city. Well, these had to be to accept him, they had to come forth somewhere. So I don't know if they was part of that resurrection. But anyway, they ascended with him when he went up. Uh, that's that cloud he talked about being received when he went up in the first chapter of Acts. And the angel said, what are y'all standing here looking? Said this same Jesus, if you've seen him go, he's going to come again in like manner. What? How did he go? He's received up in a cloud. Cloud is people. He's coming back according to uh, the prophecy that Enoch prophesied that the Lord shall return with ten thousands of his saints. So when he comes back at the end of time to get us after that resurrected Christ, after the ministry of the sons of God, after the end of time when all shall be stand before the Lord, both small and great. That's not the first resurrection, that's the second so when he does that, he's going to come back with ten thousands of his saints and we're all going to join him in the spirit and live with him forever. So I hope I didn't get off on too many different side trails and lose you. Sometimes this knowledge gets to rolling out and I don't know where to put the brakes on it. But nobody gets a get out of hell free card. That's where I start at the top of page 5. And I mean no one that has gone to hell because of being a transgressor that has ever been has ever been redeemed out of or set free from the pits of hell. Nobody. And Jesus was the one that was reborn because he didn't go there as a transgressor. He went there with your transgressions. 
Right, he was the sin sacrifice. Right, he was the sacrifice, but that still damned his soul yes. to a spiritual death, and that's why he had to be reborn. That's why the Lord said, this day I've begotten thee. A new creation. Yep, it goes against all the teachings of the Word of God. You ain't going to find nowhere in the Word of God where anybody ever got out of hell free. Besides that, who wouldn't make the choice to get out of hell no matter what option was presented? It just doesn't wash with the Word of God or common sense because people are bound with religious doctrines. You can't get, to the, get them to look at the crucifixion with an open mind. They will confess He was crucified on the cross. They will confess He became sin for us. But when you ask them what happened to His soul when He died, they can't tell you. They won't tell you. They do not want to face the fact that Jesus went to hell with the transgressions of everybody that had sinned up to that time. He went to hell with their transgressions and he went to hell to pay the price for sin that you could be redeemed from sin. And nobody wants to confess that. They'll quote you the scriptures all day long that I just read to you. The soul that sinneth shall surely die. The wages of sin is death. But yet he took all sin upon him, became sin, but they will not confess that he went to hell to pay for them sins. And that's another thing theology's twisted up. That Jesus' wise body was in the tomb. His soul went to hell and preached a great revival. I don't know how they get that because there wasn't salvation per se until he resurrected and ascended to heaven and put his blood on the mercy seat. That's when your eternal redemption was obtained. So, all those that he had preached to, they were promised redemption. But it was not put in force until he ascended to the Father and put his blood on the mercy seat. Okay, here's what God has revealed to me. While Jesus hung on the cross and prepared to die, he said in his dying breath, Luke twenty-three forty-six. and when Jesus had cried with a loud voice. He said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Now the word commend means by implication to deposit as a trust or for protection. So he said, Father, I am putting my soul in your hands. If he was just fixing to go to the Father, he didn't have to commend his soul into the Father's hands because he was fixing to be with him. He commended his soul into the hands, the hands of the Father because he knew where his soul was going. That's why in Hebrews 5 it says, when, he, when in the days of his flesh he had offered up strong cries and tears unto him that was able to save him. He prayed for the Lord to save him from that death, but he submitted to it because it was the mind and will of God. Can you... I don't know. I think I might need you to back up a little bit. Okay. I may fit in here. All right. Or if you know another time to answer it. But First Peter two twenty four. Would you explain that scripture? Is that the one that says who him who him? Yes. Okay. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live under righteousness by whose stripes you were hit. My main focus because I've heard on it the tree. No, okay. uh, who bear our sins in his own body because okay. people will say, what I have heard people say is when we say 
it's the soul that sinners shall surely die. Right. All of that. Well, and that's why we say his soul. But when they take this scripture and says, no, he bore his sin, our sins in his own body. Okay. And not in his soul. All right. In his body. All right. I believe the soul, he, but I, I need to be able to. He became sin for us. In other words, all the sins that was under the law that had been rolled forward, he took them. But the soul was given to destroy the bondage of Satan. Oh, the, the body was the lamb. The body was, was the, the lamb of God. So, oh, hold on. so, so that hold took on. care of the sins that were rolled forward under the law that the law couldn't forgive. The blood of bulls and goats couldn't forgive. Okay. The body was the lamb of God. It forgave the sins that were rolled forward under the law. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I've got to write it down. The body was the Lamb of God. It forgave the sins that were the under the law under. that were rolled forward. Okay. 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 All right. Now. No, 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 don't go yet. All right. This is new. The sins that were rolled forward. Man, y'all going to make me strip something trying to put brakes on this. Well, wait. <laughs> under, oh. All right, under the, so that, okay, because I have heard that definitely since we've been to, right. I've heard people throw that scripture up, and right. I've not known how to answer it. So, okay. So that, that's what that's addressing there. The body was the Lamb of God. It forgave the sins that were rolled forward under the law. Right. All right, so what so was the soul? from the so that's the different. No, it's yeah. the same thing. Okay. Anyway. It's different. It's different. Because right, 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 okay. right. All right, let me show you. Well, it's an, an are you getting ready to address the, why his soul? Uh, yeah, I will. I will. Okay. Okay. Hebrews 10. Verse 1, for the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of things can never, with those sacrifices which they offered year by year, continually making the comers thereunto perfect. For then they would have not ceased to be offered because the worshippers once purged would have had no more conscience of sin. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance made, again made, of the sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offerings thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hadst no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume, or I come in the fullness of the book, as it is written, to do thy will, O God. Above when he said, Sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and offerings for sin, thou wouldest not, neither hadst pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then he said, Lo, I come in thy, come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, or he taketh away the first covenant, which was the law, that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Oh so the soul of Jesus was for the power of sin to be destroyed, and it is our forgiveness. It redeemed us. His body redeemed what was back. His soul redeemed what was forward because he one time destroyed the works of Satan 
one time ascended into heaven, put his blood on the mercy seat, and by that we obtained eternal redemption. He done it once and he don't have to do it again. Therefore, the blood of Jesus is there to forgive our sins now. I don't understand when you said it goes backward. Did I misunderstand you? What was under the law? All the sins that were rolled forward was under the law. That is what his body and his blood forgave. But that never happened until he was raised from the dead. When he was raised from the dead, he ascended. Went into the Holy of Holies, put his blood on the mercy seat. That's for us forward. That's from the resurrection forward. That had nothing to do with the body and blood that he was the Lamb of God. That body forgave the sins under the law that had been rolled forward every year. Well, I mean, I don't, understand. Understand. I don't quite yeah. get it. I don't. I just have to. Okay. I just All have right. To pray a little. All the sins that were under the law couldn't be forgiven by the blood of bulls, by the blood of goats, by the sacrifices, by the... So every year when the high priest went in that Holy of Holies to offer that sin sacrifice, those sins were just rolled forward. They never were forgiven. You understand that? That's Hebrews 10. Go yeah, back I mean, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, mean, I, I understand what you're... Well, that's you know, what Scripture says. I know, no, I know. Okay. I mean, I understand that it is written. Okay. You know, I mean, I, I know that. Okay. Okay. I just... Um, all right, so, all right. I think I don't, didn't understand. All right, understand. follow with me. Okay. Follow with me. They were hey. rolled forward and never forgiven. There never was nothing forgiven. to forgive them because they, sin could not be forgiven by the blood of bulls and goats. It has to be by the body, the Lamb of God. I never saw that. Okay. Well, the I Lamb. Mean, I know it's yeah. there. Okay. I mean, I the Lamb of God. Listen to me. The Lamb of God had to be sacrificed for those sins that were there. They were still there. But it was like the Lord held them in limbo. Okay? All right. The body, the cross, uh, I mean, Him dying, the body and the blood of the Lamb took care of those. But now what's going to take care of the power of sin for us? Had to be the resurrected Christ that put his blood on that mercy seat in the heavens. Because that's where, he, that's where you obtain eternal redemption. <laughs> when his soul was made. Okay. It was the body. It was the body that paid for what was under the law. It was the soul being made a sacrifice for sin that paid him. He was just making it right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was just, yes. he was fulfilling the law. See? He fulfilled the law. Right. He had, that's what it says. He fulfilled the law. I got it. Okay. So he fulfilled the law. Right. And he had to do it legally to God's principles. And that is what put us under the New Testament. Right. He took away, he established the first, took it away, that he may establish the second. I just never that's understood, why I, but I, yep. I'm there, but the Lamb of God, yep. that's a, that. All right, the Lamb, the physical body, died on the cross. Right. That's, why he ba- that's why he bowed his head and said, Father, it is finished. finished. He took care 
of the law. That's what was finished. The law was finished. The The law law was fulfilled. Yes, the law was fulfilled. Those sins, those sins were done. Okay. But when his soul became an offering for sin in hell, he was taking care of the bondage of sin and death that had been given into Satan's hands. He paid the price. But he then had to take, as the Lamb of God, the blood to the mercy seat. Mm-hmm. Because without mm-hmm. the blood, there is no sin. Right? right. And that's why he's eternal in the heavens as the Lamb of God. Mm-hmm. Right. Let me see. Yes. I, I don't know where the scripture yeah, I is. Was never, I, I, was mis- I was missing what he was saying, but I was still getting it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like you see, like I said, you see fire for the first yeah. time. All right, go back to Hebrews 9. Let me see if I can tie this in. Christ was offered to bear. Okay, let's go to verse 23. It was therefore necessary that the pattern of things in the heavens should be purified with these or with blood, but the heavenly things himself with better sacrifices than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands, or he didn't go in the holy place on earth. No, no. Okay? Which are the figures of the true, but into the heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often, as the high priest enters into the holy place every year with the blood of others. Okay? For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. So he's going to appear without that sin he became. Okay? Yes. So he's going to appear. That, yeah. Okay? Yeah. Sometimes I put a a, a little extra block in there and it messes well, the whole thing. Well, years, yeah. years of theology and ter- church teaching can mess you up. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that. I mean, I mean we discussed mind. it you know, somewhere. You work it out in your own well, mind. I had never thought of it. It never entered my mind. And then no. we got talking about it, and that's when I began to understand well, I was looking. Let me see if I, I want to find about this the word. the sins rolled forward. Brother Michael talks about it a lot, but those sins were rolled I, forward. Uh-huh. I never heard that. And there that. was no, the, the blood of bulls and goats won't cut it. I mean, that won't do it. It had to be. Those left. sins were forgiven. They were rolled forward. Jesus, yeah, right. He okay. When he, yeah. That's why, that brought, that's why he was called the Lamb of God. Yes, that I, I understand that. And he's our he's Lamb a, of God. I mean, yeah, he's all right. always a, all right. Hebrews 9 and 12. Okay. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth of the purifying of the flesh... How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through His eternal Spirit, the blood of Christ, yeah, that. who through His eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead 
works to serve the living God. For this cause he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, spiritual death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament, and that would be the natural death, that were under the first testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. So they couldn't receive eternal inheritance without their sins being forgiven under the law. So his body and blood paid for that. But to destroy the bondage of Satan, to restore the uh, destroy the power Satan had over the soul, he had to sacrifice his soul. Then, okay. And that is where he, that is how he took the keys of death and hell from Satan. He couldn't just go take them; he had to do it legally. There had to be a price paid, which was the death of the soul. So he paid that price with the death of his soul. But when he took the keys of hell and death as a quickening spirit, the Bible said he triumphed over Satan openly. In Colossians, the second chapter, he triumphed over him openly right in the midst of hell. That's the reason the devil's fearing. They know that authority and dominion is in him. So it's more than just salvation. <laughs> well, but like you said, salvation is everything. Right. So, but they people just they don't they don't have uh, knowledge of salvation, unfortunately, because if no, you don't just have forgiveness truth, of sins. I mean, you know, but if, if your sins are forgiven, but you're not going to live forever, what? I mean, what? The, you, you might, might not eat, drink, and be merry. For you might, long. you might not. That's my retirement plan. <laughs> well, I know that's yours, but <laughs> it's much to feed on. Yeah. It's a lot to on. Okay, let me see where I'm at. I don't even know where I'm at no, in the notes. No, I needed that answer. In First okay. Peter 2.24, I needed that one because I've heard that okay. people say that. Um, you gotta, I All right, we good on that? Yeah, I'm good. Thank okay. You. All right. All right, going on down. Uh, so Jesus told the Father into thy, about in the middle of page 5, into thy hands. I commend my spirit. Uh, the reason that when he yielded up the ghost, it didn't go into heaven with the Father and went straight to the pits of hell because he had become sin for you and me. He had redeemed us and taken all the sin of mankind upon him and there wasn't any other place for his soul to go except to the pits of hell to bear the wages of sin, which we know to be spiritual death. Yet it pleaded in Isaiah 53 and 10, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him he hath put him to grief, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his day, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. In David's writing in Psalms, we see how the Lord revealed this to David in Psalms 18 and 4. The sorrows of death compassed me, the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell compassed me about, and the snares of death prevented me or went before me. Psalms 116 and 3. The sorrows of death compassed me, and the pains of hell got hold upon me, and I found trouble and sorrow. His soul was tormented in the pits of hell, and he had to hold on to the word of God and believe that God was going to bring him out. He had to believe that. As a believer, you need to study the word so that you can understand reconciliation. And all this is reconciliation. That's why nobody preaches it. They don't understand it. 
Many people studied it, but they won't preach it because they don't understand it. As a believer, you need to study the Word so you can understand reconciliation and what it means. This was the only way Jesus could legally destroy the devil and take back the keys of death and hell. He had to first die spiritual death, and then once he had offered his innocent soul for our sins and the debt was paid, there had to be a reconciliation to the matter of an innocent soul bound in the pits of hell. So there wasn't anything that could be done except to resurrect that soul from death because if his soul didn't get resurrected, then his body had to remain in the tomb. So God had to resurrect him, both soul and body, but he didn't resurrect the soul. He, when he reborn him, he was reborn a quickening spirit because the word of God had already declared it. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus, the natural man from the dead, the physical death, dwell in you, he that raised up Christ, which is the spiritual man or the quickening spirit from the dead, shall also quicken or make alive your mortal body by his spirit that dwelleth in you. So then the word that was spoken by David couldn't be brought to pass without the resurrection of both soul and body. Acts two twenty six twenty seven. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope. And this is what this is why Jesus surrendered to the will of God. Because my flesh shall rest in hope, because I will not leave my soul in hell, spiritual death. Neither will I suffer thy holy one to see corruption or natural death. So we see that the innocent soul of Jesus was bound in the pits of hell because he had gone there and suffered and paid a legal debt for our sins. He had to do this to take back the power that was given Satan when Adam sinned. The only way for this to be reconciled was that the soul was reborn and he went from a living soul to a quickening spirit. Look at Acts thirteen twenty nine, And when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from a tree and laid him in a sepulcher. But God raised him from the dead, and he was seen many days of them which came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses unto the people. And we declare unto you glad tidings, how that the promise which was made unto the fathers, God hath fulfilled the same unto us their children, in that he hath raised up Jesus again, and is also written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And he done that, verse 34, and as concerning the, he raised him up from the dead, now no more to return to corruption. So that wasn't when he was born. That was when he was resurrected and made a quickening spirit. And he said on this wise, I will give you the sure mercies of David, wherefore he has also said in another psalm, Thou shalt not suffer thy holy one to see corruption. Then again in Acts 2.23, him being delivered by determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised, let me buy it, raised up, having loosed the pains of death, and that loosed the pains of death there means birth pains, because it was not possible that he should be holding of it. We need to take time to read, study the word, and ask the Lord for understanding. 
Let the Spirit of God teach us the whole truth and the revelation of His Word. It's easy to get entangled in doctrine. When this happens, minds get closed off for the truth. Many people who hear things contrary to what they believe, rather that is different from what they've been taught, will automatically throw up a wall and shut their ears to something different or new. Let's look at the following scriptures, Acts 26, 23, that Christ should suffer and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead. He was not the first to rise from the physical dead. You had two in the Old Testament. You had the one Elijah raised, and you had one Elisha raised, plus you had the one that Elijah's bones raised. So there was three. Okay? And then you had the ones Jesus raised, which was Jairus' daughter. You had uh, Lazarus. You had the man in Dan. So that was six right there that was raised from the dead before Jesus was crucified. So when it's talking about that he should be the first that would rise from the dead, it's talking about the first that should rise from spiritual death. Mm-hmm. And show light unto the people and to the Gentiles, which is what we get ready to do. We know he wasn't the first one to rise from the physical dead. Colossians 1.17 said, He is before all things, and by him all things consist, and he is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell after his resurrection. Romans 8.29, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren, that's going, that means there's going to be more that's going to be born again, like he was, become quickening yes. spirits. And one more, Revelation 1 and 5, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Jesus did all these things that you and I might be reconciled to the Father. He had to first do it and destroy the devil, and by doing this, in Hebrews ten nineteen and 20, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and a living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. Jesus came to do more than save you from your sin. He made a new and a living way to the Father. The forerunner is a runner ahead. So, Hebrews six nineteen, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. Well, we know what's in the veil is the holiest of holies or the fullness of God. Whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made a high priest forever. Well, if he's a forerunner, that means he made the way. And the new and the living way is what he did in the holiest of holies. Where the forerunner for us is entered, even Jesus made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. He was born a man, and as a man he overcame sin in the flesh, defeated the carnal mind, and became our sin sacrifice, the Lamb of God. He sacrificed his soul to be able to restore eternal life back to man, and became the forerunner for us as he entered the Holy of Holies, showing us that we can accomplish all these things since he is our example 
He had to become like us and overcome Satan as a man. By doing this, he made the way for us to be reconciled back to the Father and taught us the way to become like he is today. And I've covered Hebrews 2 and 14 through 17. You go down to the last paragraph on page 8. These mysteries right here are hardly ever preached. All Jesus came to do was shed his blood and to die for your sins. Then why was his life structured the way it was? He could have been stoned by the Jews. That was the penalty for blasphemy. His blood would have been shed and you would still have been forgiven of your sins. Jesus tried to show people the whole time that he walked on earth that he had come for a greater purpose than just to forgive our sins. John fourteen twenty six. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. The scriptures are referring to salvation. It's referring to reconciliation. The way has been made for our restoration or reconciliation back to the place and the purpose that God created man in the beginning. And that was a body that could rest and dwell in a spirit without a body is not at rest. So it's time to give God a resting place. Amen. All right. Comments, questions. That's a lot. That's a mouthful. <laughs> That's two mouthfuls. Do what? I said, food to chew on. Hallelujah. Well, it ought to keep you busy this week anyhow. (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? Let me just go ahead and share a praise report. Go ahead. Would that be all right? Yes, ma'am. Got up this morning, and I was so queasy fighting at that, trying to get ready to go to church. Got in the car. We stopped and got us a uh, breakfast sandwich. I prayed over it and I said, God, you let this do my body good and no harm. And I bind it, sickness, Lord. I want you to know I ate the entire sandwich and I didn't have a second. Woo! Hallelujah. Went to church, enjoyed the presence of God, left church, went to um, Shane and had a... Um, I had the chicken tenders and onion rings. I ain't been sick on my stomach yet. Praise God. Told you God was going to move for you. That's two meals in one day, and it ain't even made me sick. <laughs> that is so good. Oh, thank you. Thank Jesus. you, Lord. He is faithful. Oh. I am thankful. I know you are. Oh, I know you are. I told you yesterday God was going to move for you. I want to share a, a praise report of the prayer clause with y'all. Uh, I don't know if you ever met him, Sister Kathy, but he come to Fort Payne, son, Brother Nick Faulkner. Brother Nick? Yeah. Paul, yeah. He was married to the... Uh, right. Well, anyway, he got out and rock and roll and backslid and, you know, got out and all that stuff. Well, he came back to the Lord probably a year or so ago, and he had a uh, somebody that he knew that was into channeling the dead. And she gave her life to the Lord, 
And she could not get rid of that tormenting spirit. It kept approaching her. And so he contacted me and said, Would you please send me a prayer cloth for this young lady? said, She wants her life to change. She surrendered to the Lord. So I sent it to him probably a month. It might have been a couple of months. And he contacted me yesterday and said that when he gave that young lady that prayer cloth, God totally delivered her from that spirit. And she's made a complete turnaround. Praise God. Yep, says she's made a complete turnaround and doing great. Praise God. So we are moving. I am. Oh, we're, <laughs> yep. I thought we'd lost y'all. Nope. That is awesome. Yep. So we are moving in to a working of the Spirit of God beyond anything we've ever seen. I believe it. So. I'm excited. I am too. This word has been. Yeah, this was great. What a feast. All right. Well, y'all keep you pastor in the prayer. Word to live by. <laughs> Amen. All right. I plan on seeing y'all next Sunday. So. That's my plan. Right, we'll, we love y'all. we'll see what God's plan is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't laugh too hard. All right. <laughs> love y'all. All right. Love, love y'all. <laughs> All right. Love you too. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll see y'all soon, I hope. All right. Bye-bye. All righty. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I didn't realize there was as much word in there. That's huge. Has left the conference. Yep. Man. I think Justin's phone kept dropping out on him. They probably just listened on the speaker. Yep. I'm going to put it on a Bluetooth like mine or something. Out of my selfish little heart. <laughs>